Welcome to this last edition of the Real Deal Podcast, our Chicago Bulls Classic Series. Um, as we look back at the Chicago Bulls Championship Games, Classic Games over the last couple of weeks, coinciding, of course, with the Jordan documentary. This is the conclusion of that series as we will be looking back at Game 6 of the 1998 NBA Finals, um, Utah, Chicago. Uh, Chicago, of course, came into that game up three games to two. Everybody knows what happens happens in that game. Um, but it's important to look, you know, as we look back on this game to understand what was going going on leading up uh, into this game. You had number one. You knew that Chicago. It, it was a wrap for Chicago as far as uh, the dynasty. As far as that that triumphant triumvirate with Jordan, Pippen, and Jackson. That was over with. You and you knew that going into that game. Going in, you know throughout the course of the season. Of course, the season was called the last dance. Um, it's called the Last Dance uh, that was given title was given by Phil, one Phil Jackson, um, Utah. So you knew that coming in. Utah was coming off a great Game Five win where Carl Malone basically single handedly carried them in Chicago. Uh, nine, it was like ninety to eighty six or ninety to eighty eight. In game uh, game five in Chicago, he had 39 points in that game. Probably his best finals game um, of his career, to be honest with you. I mean, he was that good in that game. Um, they might have had one other player in double figures, uh, to be honest with you, in that game. So he's coming in. You have Kukoc coming off a 30-point game in game five. Jordan out. Keep this in mind. They were in the midst. Because of the fourth, they were in the midst of the third game in basically five days. So games five through six, four through six took place in a five-day, uh, you know, in a five-day window. So the Bulls are at the end of their rope physically. If they are physically shot at this point, um, Jordan's playing heavy minutes. Um, in those last four games, those last now. Game three was the embarrassment game, the the game that I you just won't be able to explain right, for for you know forever. That was the ninety six fifty four game. Otherwise, this this series was a close series. I mean, this series was decided by at least five points or less in every other game, with the exception of game three, which again you will never in hundred for a hundred years be able to explain that game, considering how how closely contested this series was over the past with a better part of two years. This was a two-year culmination with these two teams meeting 12 times in the finals. Nine of those 12 games went down to the wire. So game five, game season, game three in this series was an aberration. Still the most one-sided finals game in NBA history. Uh, that 42 shellacking that Chicago put on them. But um, games four through four through six were all close games. And Chicago came into this game, came into this game running on absolute fumes. Jordan was playing heavy minutes. Um, we saw, we see what happened, what happened with Pippen. 
Pippen's back was shot by the time this game this game um, came about. We had got about a million NBC reports on Pippen's back. It is remarkable. You, I mean, you would thought I, I would love to. I, I didn't count how many reports we got on Pippen's back versus how many reports we got on Michael Jordan last, uh, the previous season with the flu game. I guarantee you, it was just as many. It was just as many reports on Pippen's back as it was Michael Jordan's uh, flu during that uh, the previous season. But so he was a, a shell of himself but still would play, would play an integral role in this game. Um, they get off in this game. Of course, you had the NBC, uh, NBC broadcast with Costas, Costas, uh, Isaiah, and Collins, which I, you know, you can make a case. And I've done now three, I've done three games where um, this was the first year that Costas would be taking over for uh, for Marv Albert. Remember, Marv Albert went on that three-year suspension due to the sexual assault case that he had going on. So this was the first year that Costas would take over for him. Costas went 98, 99, 2000. And then Marv Albert came back in 2001. I I can make a case that this was their best team. I mean, they, I and uh, Isaiah Thomas, we know Doug Collins is one of the best in the business in terms of uh, color commentators. Isaiah Thomas was tremendous in this game. I mean, he really was. And how complimentary he was of Michael Jordan without, without it come off seeming, without it seemingly coming off as being phony, which it wasn't, uh, has not aged well in terms of your perception of Michael Jordan based on what Michael Jordan's depiction of Isaiah Thomas in this, in this documentary. Because Isaiah, Isaiah was fair to Jordan. He was complimentary of Jordan throughout, even when he was struggling with his shooting. Um, and Isaiah, I mean, again, Isaiah was a great, uh, great play by, not play by play, but a, a great commentator, a great uh, in terms of breaking down the game and giving you going inside the player's mind. Remember, we're talking about finals MVP, all-time great point guard. He was tremendous in this game all around. Um, so I, I found that, you know, <laughs> Consider again, consider how Jordan has just completely shitted on Isaiah during this Jordan documentary. Found that interesting that Isaiah was more than fair to Michael Jordan during the course of uh, during the course of these broadcasts. I mean, even with the, I did, we've gone back and done uh, even with the Indiana broadcast in '98, Eastern Conference Finals Game Seven that we did a couple weeks ago. Uh, that we did a couple weeks ago. So the game, so Utah gets off, Utah gets off to a slow start, down 17-8. They immediately go to the bench and they insert Carr and Isley and get right back into the game. Carr Malone, probably his second best finals game of his career, had a big quarter. You can tell throughout this first quarter um, that Jordan senses that, you know, they're shorthanded. That he knows that they're shorthanded, and he was he was constantly first quarter, and this would this be a theme throughout the game. The first and third quarter, third quarters of this game of this game, Jordan is clearly pacing himself. There's no two ways about it. He's clearly pacing. He's clearly saving up his energy. Um, he has a slow. He gets off to a slow start in the first quarter. Um, a relatively slow start in, in the first quarter, but. Uh, 
at the end of the first quarter, it was 25-22. Again, Utah making the change uh, in terms of the uh, – as soon as they went to Antoine Carr and Howard Isley, it completely changed the, um, completely changed the trajectory, trajectory, trajectory of this game. And, again, the pace of this game is all Chicago. And one of the problems Utah had, especially watching these last two games, watching this game and doing the game we did last week in 97, uh, that flu game, is pace. The pace of this game was played at a – you can't play it any slower. And that favored Chicago. At this point, especially their last three championship teams, Chicago was a grind – Chicago's defense was better than his offense, to be honest with you. I know in 96, they averaged like 105 points, only gave up 92. But their defense was far superior. And their defense was far superior to their offense. And by 98, with their limited offensive weapons, remember, 98, Pippen has the foot injury. We know Rodman was never really an offensive threat uh, to begin with. Um, Kuko was pretty good. You know, Kuko had a decent year, had a relatively had a decent year, and would have a big role in this game. They had limited weapons offensively, uh, offensively going into this finals. And they hold, their whole deal was to slow down the game, you know, play great defense, and then let Michael win it at the, you know, win it at the end. That was, that was a strategy for, for Chicago. And the problem for Utah is Utah, the idea would try, you would try to want to run Chicago and get easier, get easy shots, get, you know, you can put Chicago in position, get yourself in a position where you're not playing uh, against Chicago's set defense. Utah wasn't built that way. I mean, Stockton, you had a 35, 36-year-old point guard. Howard Isley, you know, a little bit, little was younger, but not that much more athletic, to be honest with you. He wasn't a diamond. He wasn't a guy that, you know, that was going to uh, push the pace, um, even as a, being a younger player. So Utah, the, the pace of play, really favored Chicago and really favored Jordan. He already had to expand a lot of energy, but, he, you know, imagine how much energy he would have had to expand, expand had, you know, Utah been able to push the pace. Um, so first quarter, Utah, you know, Malone has a big first quarter. Utah, uh, Antoine Gard, you know, you know, gets a couple buckets. Uh, Utah's up by three. Utah's up by three. Pippen, um, after he dunk, he dunks, he has a dunk, and then his back is just completely shot. I mean, his back is just shot after that. He came in, uh, he dunks. Um, he only played in the first half, only played like seven minutes in the first half. Second quarter, the game has probably its best quarter, without question, its best quarter, the best quarter of the game. The game is played at extremely, relatively, at a high level. You see Jordan, second quarter, you see Jordan have a big second quarter, um, 15 points in the second quarter. Uh, Malone and Jordan are going at it. Uh, again, again, you know, are going at it. The pace picks up a bit. The pace picks up. Kukoc starts to get, you know, Kukoc starts to get into the game. And, you know, halftime, you had 40, you had 49, 46. And in comparison to the first quarter, 
this game, you know, in the comparison to the first quarter, it was a it was a classic quarter. Um, uh, in that second quarter, both teams played well. Both teams shot the ball well. Yeah, again, the pace picked up. You, um, there was a play in this game that has not been talked about enough over the course of history. So Howard Isley, Utah's up by four in in the uh, second quarter. Howard Isley hits a three at the end of the uh, shot clock. They they count the bucket does not count. Is clear and evident. Now you could say you could say that the, that whoever was doing the timekeeping in terms of the twenty four second shot clock let that second you know that second lasted lasted a little bit longer than it should have. That it took longer for whatever reason. That the clock. I mean, I don't know if that's on the clock operator, but it was a long one second. But it was evident when they went back and replayed and did a replay that Howard Isley clearly got that shot off and that it should have been a seven-point game. That was a big shot, and that was three points that was taken away from Utah in a game that they ended up losing by one. Again, it had been at least uh, 10 years since I watched this game. That was a big play in this game. So instead of being up by three, instead of being up by six at halftime, Utah is only up. Utah is only up um, by uh, three. Jordan has 23 at the half. Malone has 20 at the uh, 20 at the half. Malone is torching Dennis Rodman, torching whoever they put on him in the post, making jump shots, really playing playing his best bat. Some of his best basketball that you've seen Carl Malone play in the finals. Rodman really in this game really had no answer for Dennis uh, Carl Malone. Uh, it wasn't until this late in the second half where they started coming in. They started throwing some different coverages at Malone where they started – in which they were able able to um, slow him down. So third quarter is just ugly, uh, to say the least. Third quarter, you have um, – there's a quarter in which the teams only combined for 33 points. You have Malone and Robin starting starting to get into it, um, starting to get into it. And, again, something that you forgot, that I forgot, that Robin and Malone end up wrestling, and they mentioned this during the broadcast, end up having a wrestling match for the WCW in, in, in the summer of that year. Um, they had, that, of course, that had nothing to do with this, this particular game, but just you know, found that, you know, I forgot all about that. That that Carl Malone had a little, you know, had a uh, little stint uh, with wrestling. Um, again, this this third quarter was ugly, to say the least. Jordan clearly in the third quarter was pacing himself. He took like six, I think he only took like six shots in the third quarter. Pippen comes back in the third quarter with a bucket, with a bucket gives them somewhat of a spark just to be on the floor. Um, and Pippen in this game really gutted it, gutted, uh, gutted out this game. He really had a gussy performance in this game. I know he only had eight points and played 25 minutes, but it was a big 25 minutes because Chicago was limited offensively. Both, both teams were limited offensively in this game. In the second half, buckets were hard to come by in the second half, in the third quarter, and in, uh, in general. But at the end of the third quarter, 
Utah goes on a, a mini run to go up by five at the end of the third quarter. Utah, up until this point, has outscored Chicago in each quarter, though minuscule, not by a lot. Um, I, as a matter of fact, I think the second quarter was even tied. But um, up until that point, Chicago, up until that point, Chicago has not won a quarter. So we get to the fourth quarter, and again, the pace of this game is, and I mentioned this, the pace of the game is slow. I mean, it is like it, you, it is, it is absolute at a plant. The game is being played at a crawl, and the fourth quarter comes out. Jordan is in clear attack mode. Jordan in the fourth quarter scores 16 points, goes to the free throw, went to the free throw line eight times. He's going after, he's going to the basket every single time. And for whatever reason, Chicago, Utah left him, left Byron Russell basically, basically on an island against Michael Jordan. So you had, you know, you had limit again, they had limited, they had limited offensive player. Jordan scored more than half their points in this game. He ended up with 45. Chicago scored 87. So Jordan scored, it was about 53, 52, 53% of the offense. Yeah, Kukoc hits a big three to tie the game at 70. Kukoc had a, had a big game, 15 points uh, in this game. Um, and, but their offense in the fourth quarter was all, was Michael, it was all Michael Jordan, right? They had, in the fourth quarter, they scored, as I look here, Chicago scored 26 points in the fourth quarter. Jordan scores 16 of those, 16 of those 26 points. Rodman in this, in this half had some big tips, offensive rebounding tips. Now, I've, at this point, Rodman had completely checked out in terms of where Rodman was a shell of what he was when he first got to the Bulls. It wasn't even close to, to what the Rodman in 96. 97, we're doing the game last week. We did a game last week with the, with the uh, flu game in game five of 97. They were, they were already talking about that Rodman probably wouldn't be on the team um, in 98. So he wasn't, he's coming off the bench at this point. Uh, now they, they had no Bison Dele, no Jason Caffey. They're thin on the front line. Um, and again, Malone in this game torched, uh, torched Chicago's front, front line. Chicago makes an adjustment defensively and they start collapsing on Carl Malone. They, Double team him, triple team him, basically forced the ball out. Every time he posted up, they forced the ball out of his hand. The only time he was able to get free was a couple times he would scream, fake as fake like he was going down the post up and then pop out for a jump shot. He did that a couple times, made a couple big, big jump shots, made a couple big jump shots in the fourth quarter. Malone was great in this game, though. Um, I had no problem with Malone in this game. He had 31, 11, and 7. Again, the problem with Utah was that they had no one. They, they had no one outside Malone that really uh, was a major threat. 
that no one that really was a major threat, especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Um, look at look at the box score. Uh, Malone, Hornacek. Now Hornacek played well in this game. He had seventeen points. Uh, Stockton hit some big shots. We know, but Stockton. This was the first time. This was this was a game where Stockton looked old. Looked old. Now again, I know Stockton made some big shots, especially the three point shot that we're, we're going to talk about. Talk about. But Stockton, uh, you know, he uh, he had some some minor back issues. He there were plays where he couldn't bend down. Uh, he looked old in this game. Uh, Hornacek had a nice game with 17 points, but really nobody outside of outside of Malone and Hornacek, that was the offense for uh, for Utah in this game. And you know, you keep hearing, you kept hearing them throughout the course of this game talk about Antoine Carr, Antoine Carr. They need Antoine Carr. Antoine Carr previous game had 10 points on, made all five of his shots, played well. But if you were dependent on Antoine Carr at this, if, if, if you have, if you're in a situation where it's game six, you're down three games or two, and you have to depend on Antoine Carr, you're in a, you are in a lot of trouble. And that means, and that tells me that the team is not properly constructed. Because there's no way that you're beating the Bulls depending on Antoine Carr. So we get to the, the sequence. It's 83-83. Um, Stockton, they run a perfectly executed play where Stockton uh, goes across the court, uh, gets the screen set. You have Malone to Stockton, cross court. Stockton hits a three. Uh, for and Utah goes up 86-83 with 41.7 seconds left. Here's the key sequence in, in what has become a legendary sequence for one Michael Jordan. Chicago gets the ball. Jordan goes right away and scores in about four seconds to cut the lead to one to, to eight, 86 to 85. That's big because Utah comes down. Utah comes down, they get the ball in Malone. Malone again, all throughout the course of the second half, they have been double teaming and triple teaming Malone. Malone's been stripped at least two, at least twice in the third, in the fourth quarter at one by, by Scottie Pippen. Jordan doubles back. He doesn't follow through on Hornacek because he was trailing Hornacek. He doesn't follow through on Hornacek. He doubles back. Malone never sees him. He strips, then he strips Malone, comes down. Comes down, of course, and hits one of the most famous shots, of course, in NBA history. Gives a subtle shove to uh, Byron Russell. And it was subtle. It was not some – I can understand why – there was no way that they were going to call an offensive foul on Michael Jordan in that situation, even on the road, even in Utah, which was they were known. Utah always got always got calls uh, down uh, in their, on their home court, especially in playoff games. But there was no way that they were, I can't blame an official for not making that call because it was give Jordan credit. It was a subtle push. It was a subtle push that a any official could miss. Um, gives him enough space. Gives him a clear look at the basket, and it was basically game set match at that point. Utah actually got a good shot off with Stockton. The ball that shot almost went in. Despite the fact that Harper was right, in, was right in his face, and there you go, uh, game, the game was over. And just like that, similar to Game Six of the uh, 
93 finals where it's like Phoenix is up by four with like 40 seconds left. And then next thing you know, Chicago scores five points. And it's like, what the hell happened? This wasn't as bad as that, but it was close because when Stockton is that three, you just think to yourself that there's no way that uh, Chicago is winning this game. Like, you, you're like, we're going to game seven. And Stockton makes that three. And, you know, you look at this game, even more so, and I, you know, even more so than game five, or more so than the series in 97, Chicago was absolutely ripe for the picking in this game. They're absolutely ripe for the picking. Um, Utah lost this game, not so much in the fourth quarter, not so much going down three games to one in the series. Utah lost this game in the offseason. Look at Utah's roster from 97 and from the previous year. It's basically the same team. They basically have the same team. Um, I think Utah got to a point to where they were comfortable in their style of play. They were comfortable in their roster. They were comfortable with the culture. And yes, they were winning 50 games every year, 53, 55. They went on a stretch where they won. I mean, we talked about it, where they were, they had back-to-back -back years of winning 60 games. They won 64 games the previous year. They won 62 games and, and, and tied Chicago for the best record. In this season, they had home court because of the tiebreaker. Uh, they swept Chicago over the course of the regular season. But if you're going to beat Chicago, you had to think outside the box. You had to do something different. Um, they played Chicago, in, including the finals. Leading up to the finals, they had played Chicago 10 times, six times in the uh, playoff, six times in the 97 finals, four times between the two regular seasons. So you knew if you're Utah that you had to construct your team or to make trades to beat Chicago. Everything should have been going to that season. We, what do we have to do? What moves do we have to make to beat Chicago? Because this is the team that we're going to face, period. I look at the Pistons back in 88. The Pistons are coming off a series with, in which they probably should have beat, should have beat the Lakers in, 90, in 88. The following season, in, around the trade deadline, they trade their leading scorer, one of their leading scorers, probably their second best player, Adrian Daly. Adrian Daly is a Hall of Famer. They trade a guy who, who, who was a big-time player for Mark McGuire. Now, I can go – we can go – two for now and discuss how big of an impact did Mark McGuire have on that team as far as was he a better player than Adrian Danley? Probably not. But the bottom line is they make that trade, they win back-to-back -back championships, 89 and 90. So the point was they, they were not settled in on just run, running back the same team. And that this was a culture problem for Utah. Utah did not have enough offensive weapons to deal with the Bulls. And they, again, this was a failure of their organization to come, to, to come in with some new pieces.
again, you had to, to beat, you're talking about trying to beat the five-time champions. You had to think outside the box. And they were not able to. From a Chicago side, um, Jordan goes 45, four, four, 45 points, four steals, 15 to 35, 12 or 15 from the free throw line. If you count the free throws, Jordan took over 40 shots. Um, this probably was the best game, considering what was on the line that Michael Jordan has ever played. Uh, considering that uh, Pippen back was shot, you know, Ron Harper came in with the flu. Rodman, the only guy you got offense from other than Jordan was uh, the only guy that he got help from, considerable help from, offensively from a scoring standpoint was Tony Kukoc. Tony Kukoc had, had 15 points. And again, the game before had 30. So Tony Kukoc ended that series, you know, basically uh, ended that series uh, averaging well over 20 points a game, uh, 22 and a half points a game in the last two games of that series, and was probably their second best player in that series. What has not aged well to me in this in in the Indian, it was an iconic performance by Jordan, an iconic shot. He carried him. But this whole idea that he didn't have help in this game was just not the case. Um, Dennis Robin has seven points. He makes a uh, he makes a jump shot. I believe in the fourth quarter, that was that was big. I mean, it's a big shot. He made a free throw to tie the game. He's an awful free throw shooter. He, um, you know, you have Tony Cooper, you had Scottie Pippen. Pippen's presence in the first half, Pippen was an absolute non-factor. Pippen's presence defensively in the second half in the fourth quarter was big. He stripped Carl Malone a couple times. He was able to facilitate the offense. He was able to, to, to uh, take pressure off of Jordan in terms of bringing up the ball, which would have been more energy that Jordan would have had to expand, expand, uh, expand if, Pippen's not, if Pippen wasn't on the floor. Pippen doesn't, if Pippen doesn't play, they don't win this game. And those eight points he had, you say, well, he only had eight points. Chicago only scored 87 for the game. Those are big, those are big eight points. Robin has seven points. Those are big seven points. So the Chicago Bulls role players were probably a little bit better than what history has what history has uh, said. A little bit better, to be honest with you. Um, devastating loss for Utah, to say the least, because to me, and again, I know last year, the previous year, they were closer as far as because they had it was two two game five at their own place, but. They have game seven in their building. Um, who knows? I mean, you, you would have you would have leaned towards Jordan. It would have been hard to would have been hard pressed to bet against Jordan in a game seven, game seven, but Chicago was limping to the finish line. And I mean limping to the finish line. Out of the six championship teams, this was the worst out of those six championship teams. And Rewatching, rewatching these games, those first three championship teams were basically were unbeatable. They really were. 91 through 93, those teams, you were not touching those teams. 96, they had the all-time great season. 
okay, they go up 3-0 against Seattle. That series is basically over, even though Seattle makes a push in the last couple of games. 97-98, the Chicago Bull team was absolutely beatable. And if you're somebody who roots for Utah, if you're Carl Malone, if you're Jerry Salone, if you're John Stockton, you got to be – there's no way that out of, these last two, out, of, out of these last two years that Utah should not win at least one of these championships. There's no way. They should have at least one of these championships between 97 and 98. That Chicago team was, was absolutely beatable. And again, this completely vindicated Scottie Pippen for the migraine game. Like you can, no one could have ever questioned his toughness after, you know, a bad back is probably, probably worse than a, I would say probably worse than a migraine is a bad back. And you knew Pippen probably, Pippen knew he had to play in this game. There was, there was, there was, there was no way Pippen was, was going to sit out this game with, the, with that back injury. He knew he had to play it. He knew he had to gut it out. Uh, Utah wouldn't. Of course, we know what happened with Chicago. They, Jackson, goes, Jackson, Jordan, Pittman were all gone. They went into rebuild, total rebuild mode, and they have not been the same since. I know they had a couple good years with Derrick Rose and Joaquin, Joaquin Noah, but they never, but they never released a, reached a championship level since that '98 team. Um, Kraus was state of general manager up until 2003. Uh, for Utah, Utah, this would be Utah's last championship, last time they, they uh, contended. The previous, the following year, they would get eliminated by Portland in the conference semifinals, despite the fact that Carl Malone was named MVP in a, in a lockout shortened season. And this was it. I mean, this was it for Utah as far as, uh, as, far as their, their window. Their window was closed after this game. And they had, they had a two-year window where they could have won championships in 97, 98. They were not able to get it done. And, you know, the difference was to me, again, I, we mentioned this before, not having a perimeter player that can get buckets. They just didn't, they just not, did not have enough offense. That's what it came down to. They did not have enough offense to go along with, with Carl Malone and it bit, it bit them twice. It bit, you know, it bit them in the ass in back-to-back -back years. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I will see you next time. Bye -bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.